How are you doing these days? <laughs> they are something else, aren't they? I mean, the world we're living in and all of the, the uncertainty and the unknowns and the pain and the anger and the opinions, the viewpoints. How are you doing with all of it? I'll be honest. I mean, there are many times that I look at what's going on and I don't even know what to think. I honestly don't. I don't know who to listen to, who to believe. I don't know what to say when people ask me, what do you think? Maybe you feel a little bit like me. Things are so complicated. I mean, a lot of the issues that we are facing today are, are not simple. They're not straightforward. They are multifaceted, multifaceted and complicated. And it's hard to even know what to say or think or do. And then when you do say something, maybe you've been there with me, you're bound to offend somebody, no matter what you say. Right? And then if you keep quiet, you're bound to offend somebody too. <laughs> it's like almost a no-win situation, isn't it? However you might personally feel about issues that are going on, no matter how empathetic and sympathetic you might be to others, we're living in a culture where people are looking for reasons to be offended and be hurt and to tell you what they think. The man in our first lesson from today, from 1 Kings 22, might have been facing a similar situation. Do I speak? How is this going to be received? Do I worry about someone being offended or not? It's a man named Micaiah. And maybe this story is completely new to you. You, you never heard this one before. It is rather obscure. And Micaiah is a rather obscure person in the Old Testament too. This is the only thing we know about him from this one story. That's all we know. It's recorded twice in the Bible. It's here in 1 Kings where we are. It's also in 2 Chronicles, but it's the same exact account. Right? He's a contemporary of Elijah, and you know a lot more about Elijah. <laughs> a lot more. This Micaiah, we don't. Just this one account. But this one account is really powerful. This one account is filled with intrigue. It's very, very interesting. And there's a lot that we can learn from it. As we think about speaking out. And not about issues going on in our world and our opinions and our feelings on them, but when we are called to speak the truth. This account has a lot to say to us. You need a little bit of context because when I read that first lesson for you earlier, it kind of just picks up and you're like, what is going on here? And then it kind of just seems to end abruptly too. Um, and so we need to have some context to, to understand it. So we're going to do that now, give you what was going on at that time. So I'm going to give you the rest of the story here. So, so what's going on at this time? It's been 70 years since the nation of Israel has split into two kingdoms. Remember that happened, right? God has this nation of Israel, right? And he's got his kings, he has David, and then Solomon. And then under Solomon's son, the nation splits. And you have a northern kingdom of Israel, and you have a southern kingdom of Judah, all right? Now, for the most part, they don't, of course, get along very well, right? But they do have some common enemies. And one of them is the, the nation of Aram, which is just to the east of mainly Israel. Okay? And the king in the northern kingdom of Israel at this time is Ahab. And maybe that's a name you've heard. 
He's got a lot of run-ins with Elijah. Ahab was an evil, evil, evil king. His wife was Jezebel. That name rings a bell, too. Right? They, he is probably the most notorious evil king in all of Israel's history, and there were some bad ones. The king in the southern kingdom of Judah is Jehoshaphat. And overall, Jehoshaphat was a pretty good king, except for this one lapse in judgment that happens in our account here. Because Ahab comes to Jehoshaphat and says, hey, we've got this common enemy of Aram, and they have taken over the border town of Ramoth Gilead, and I want it back. Will you come with me and fight? And so here they are in the northern kingdom of Israel, having this council and deciding what they're going to do. And Jehoshaphat says, you know what, Ahab, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, but I want to hear from some, from some prophets of the Lord. I want to know what God says about this, if we're going to be victorious or not. And so Ahab has 400 prophets from the northern kingdom of Israel come before him and Jehoshaphat and prophesy. And all 400 of them say the same thing. They say, you will be victorious. Go. The Lord will be with you and he will give you victory at Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab says, see Jehoshaphat, we're ready to go. These guys all agree. 400 of them. But Jehoshaphat says, not so fast. He can smell that something's up here. He probably knows these are Ahab's puppets. These are men that will tell him whatever he wants to hear. And what Ahab wants to hear is that he will be victorious and he will get Ramoth Gilead back. That's what Ahab wants to hear and so that's what the prophets preach to him. And so Jehoshaphat says, is this all you got? You got any more? I mean, are there any prophets of the Lord? that we haven't consulted with yet? And Ahab's response to Jehoshaphat tells you that, that he knows that these guys just blow smoke. He says, well, there is one other guy. This prophet of the Lord, who we could inquire of, but I hate this guy. Because this guy is always saying bad things about me. He never says anything good. It's all this gloom and doom all the time. I don't, Jehoshaphat, we don't need to hear that right now. We need to be encouraged. We need to, we got 400 guys who have told us it's okay to go. Let's go. Let's just, let's forget about him, right? But Jehoshaphat says, I'm not going with you until we hear from this other prophet. And that's where our account finally picks up. The one that we read from 1 Kings 22. If you want to have it in front of you as we kind of walk through it, there it is, and you're printed out in the service folder for you. Um, so, so this is where it picks up. Right? A messenger is sent off to get Micaiah, this other prophet. Okay? And, and while that messenger is going off to find Micaiah, these prophets are continuing to prophesy before the two kings. And then you've got this one prophet named Zedekiah who makes these iron horns. And he's even putting on this show. He's like, you guys you're going to be like, you know, God is saying, you're going to take these iron horns and you're going to just gall your enemies. You are going to be victorious. He's doing this big show for them that you're going to be okay. In the meanwhile, this messenger goes and finds Micaiah. And this messenger probably knows Micaiah's reputation too. <laughs> and he says, Micaiah, you're being summoned to Ahab. Again. And the 400 prophets are already there, and they've already agreed to the same thing. And you'd be smart to agree with them. You'd be agree to speak favorably to the king. And Micaiah says to that messenger, 
I can only speak what the Lord tells me to speak. And so he goes with him, and they come into the presence of the king, and King Ahab says, or asks him the same question he's asked the 400 other prophets. He says, if we go up to Ramoth-Gilead, will we be victorious or not? And Micaiah, maybe in one of the only instances of sarcasm that we know of in the Bible, says, go, king. You will be successful. The Lord will give you the victory. Go right ahead. They will be delivered into your hand. And Ahab can see right through Micaiah. He can sense the sarcasm that he's laying on. And he says, how many times do I have to tell you to swear to me to tell the truth in the name of the Lord? The fact is Ahab doesn't want to hear the truth. He wants to hear what he wants to hear. He doesn't want to hear bad news. He wants to hear just good news. He wants to hear that he's going to be victorious. But he says, Micaiah, tell me the truth. And then Micaiah does. He says, oh, king, you want the truth? I'll tell you what the truth is. <laughs> You're not going to win. You have been destined to fail. You will be soundly defeated. You will be killed, actually, Ahab. And Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and says, see, I told you, this guy's never saying anything good. It's only bad news about me. This is just this kind of comical thing going on here, right? Um, and then... And then uh, Micaiah goes on and tells him about this vision that he was given, right? That, that there was a spirit who said that I'm going to go and I'm going to go into those prophets and they're going to tell Ahab what he wants to hear and he's going to listen to them and he's going to go into battle and he's going to die and the Lord allowed it. Right? Micaiah tells Ahab all these details and Ahab's response is, oh, Micaiah, that's good, that's good advice. We're not going to go into battle. No. He says, get rid of him. Zedekiah, that, that prophet who with the iron horns, he comes up and he slaps Micaiah in the face. And then he ridicules him. Tell me where the spirit went when he slapped you. Right? And then Ahab says, take this man to prison. Give him bread and water until I get back, and then I'm going to deal with him myself. And Micaiah says, if you return. <laughs> and if you return, then you know I didn't speak from the Lord. Then you know I was the false prophet. But as he's being hauled off, we have the last words of Micaiah. The last thing we know about him in all of the Bible, shouting out, Mark my words, all you people. Right? Which is what a fascinating story, right? And we know nothing else about Micaiah. But we do know what happens to Ahab. Because right after our lesson in 1 Kings, Ahab goes into battle at Ramoth Gilead. And he never returns from that battlefield. He disguises himself because he's probably a little worried because Micaiah has been right before. <laughs> and maybe, maybe Micaiah is right this time too, but I'm going to make sure that I'm safe. So he disguises himself, but a stray arrow just happens to hit Ahab and kill him. He dies on that battlefield. And they are soundly routed in that battle and they lose. Just as Micaiah had prophesied. Clarify that. Just as the Lord prophesied through Micaiah. And as far as Micaiah's fate, we don't know. Right, Jehoshaphat survived the battle. Uh, did he get back and remember Micaiah and get him released from prison? We don't know. We never hear anything more about him. Did he die in that prison? We don't know. But what we do learn from this story, this interesting, intriguing little account in, in the Old Testament, is that the truth can hurt, can it? 
The truth can hurt. The truth hurt Ahab. That's why he didn't want to hear it. That's why he was doing everything he could to keep Micaiah away. But he was forced to bring him in front, and he didn't like what he heard. And he said, I'll, I'll take care of you. The truth hurt Ahab. But not only Ahab, but also the one who spoke the truth too, right? And you notice who Ahab is angry at? He's not angry at the Lord. He's angry at Micaiah. And he gets slapped, and he gets ridiculed and mocked and thrown into a prison, and who knows what his end was. And friends, maybe you know what that's like too. The truth can hurt. It can hurt someone you love when you approach somebody because you love them and you care about them and, and you you got to speak the truth. The truth of God's word. For one sinner to go to another, oof, doesn't always go so well, does it? You might hurt that person's feelings. You might hurt your relationship or maybe even end it. You yourself might get hurt by the things they say back to you. Truth can hurt. When your son or your grandson tell you that they're moving in with their girlfriend. <laughs> or you have a coworker, a friend at work who you know is cheating on their timesheet. Or the spouse who is verbally abusive. Or the friend who has a problem with alcohol. It's much easier to just stay quiet, isn't it? To keep the peace. To not say, and who am I to say something? I mean, I'm a sinner too. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I just shouldn't. I, I, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to damage our relationship. We know the truth can hurt. Because we've been on the other end too, haven't you? I'm sure you've been on the other end where someone came to you and as, as kindly and gently and lovingly as they can came, you were hurt by the words that they said because they were telling you what you did was wrong. And we don't like to hear that, do we? We don't like to hear that we're doing something wrong. We don't like to hear that we, God is angry with what we've done. We don't want to hear that we're sinners from another sinner. And so it's easier just to keep quiet and not say anything. To just... Let it go. Why should we? Why should we risk it? Why should we risk getting hurt or hurting somebody else? Why should we risk possibly a relationship? Why should we risk getting slapped and ridiculed and mocked and who knows what? I'll give you one good reason. Because of the one who was slapped for you. And not just slapped once, but over and over and over. And not just slapped, but tortured and mocked and ridiculed and marched out of the city up a hill and hung with nails on a cross. For doing what? For speaking the truth. <laughs> For being the truth. For being the truth of God's word in human flesh right before their very eyes. And they didn't want to hear it. 
But Jesus loved you too much, and he loved every sinner in this world too much to not speak the truth and to not live the truth. Instead, he was willing to go all the way to hell for that truth so that you could know that truth and you could live in that truth, that one who is the truth, the truth that he did live, that perfect life for you, always speaking the truth in love to those who needed to hear it. And who went to a cross to die for you, for every time that you have rejected the truth and avoided the truth and skirted the truth and pretended you didn't know the truth and all the times you didn't speak the truth. And then he rose victoriously to assure you of the truth that you are his, that you are forgiven, that you are loved, that you're his child now and forever. That's a pretty good reason why, isn't it? (laughs) That we desire to speak the truth to each other, even if it might hurt one another, because of this one who comes to bring us peace and forgiveness and life with him. The one who has revealed his truth to us, convicted us of our sins, but yet led us to that cross and to that empty grave to show us that our sins have been removed from us, that we are right with God. How can we not want to live in that truth How can we not want to let others know this wonderful grace of God too who longs for them to have peace and forgiveness and life with him too? For the one who did all this for us, we as individuals in the church and as the church desire to speak his truth to those who need to hear it. You know, you think about as a church, it would be much easier for us to suppress God's word, right? And to not share all of it. To maybe take a, a salad bar approach to God's word, right? You, you, you kind of take and pick what you like, right? And if you don't like that, you don't, have to, you don't have to take any of that, right? Do you realize that's what a lot of churches do? They kind of cherry pick from scripture and what they're going to follow and what they're going to believe and what they're going to teach and preach and live. Paul tells says that people, they give, uh, these false teachers give people what their itching ears want to hear. And we see that, don't we? We see many churches bending their teachings to fit what society says. If we did that, if we would give on some of the teachings of Scripture, we could maybe be more successful, at least outwardly, Right? We could maybe get more people in the pews. We could attract more people, right? Because the fact is, when we stand on the rock-solid truths of God's word, when we hold to all of God's word as he commands us to, not to add to it, not to subtract from it, not to change it in any way, but to hold to every single word of it, we are going to offend some people. Some people are going to get hurt. You have people who will come here and not come back because they don't like what they hear because it's not what they want to hear, but it is absolutely what they need to hear. And so that's why a lot of churches just say, well, we can tweak that a little bit. Right? So you think about, well, we can't say Jesus is the only way to heaven. I mean, that's, that's offensive to so many people. Right? And so it becomes, well, there are many paths to heaven. There are many ways to God. Jesus is one of those ways, but who are we to tell others that, that they're wrong and we're right? Right? 
Or that it doesn't matter who you love, right? That you can love whoever you want and, and unite to whoever you want. It doesn't matter. That stuff in the, in the Bible, that's outdated. That, that does, that's not for today's culture and society. That, it's different now. Or marriage, that's just a human custom, a human institution. It really doesn't fit with today's world. We don't have to follow that. Or, you know, you can, you can take evolution and make that fit with Christianity. You know, that stuff in Genesis with six 24-hour days and God creating that, that that's not really real. That, that's just made up. That, that's just fables. Right? We, can, we can take science and evolution and make it fit with, with Christianity too. You see the danger in all of that? The danger is once you begin to question one teaching in Scripture, what's to keep you from questioning all of it? It can't be that some is true and some is not. It can't be that some is outdated and some is still for today. It can't be that God has changed his mind on certain things. It's either true or it's not true. It, there's no other choice. In our second lesson from Peter, he called these who are introducing these false teachings, he says that they're destructive heresies. And you know what they destroy? They destroy faith. Paul compares false teaching to gangrene. It infiltrates and it spreads. And it destroys faith. Remember what Jesus said in our gospel lesson. It's only standing on the rock-solid word of God in all of its truth and purity that we can build and that we can stand and that we will not be blown over by the winds and the waves and the storms. We must, as a church, stand on the rock-solid truths of the word of God. We must speak God's word in its truth and purity, even if it might hurt because even the point of it hurting is the point is, is the purpose of healing, isn't it? To lead sinners to repentance. To lead them back to Christ. When that truth hurts, it's serving a purpose. To despair of yourself. To correct you. To rebuke you. To make you realize, I need a substitute and a savior. Someone who can save me and then God reveals him. See, it always pays to tell the truth, right? Your parents probably told you that. Maybe as parents you told your kids that. It always pays to tell the truth. Even when it might result in getting punished or getting grounded. It always pays to tell the truth. And the same is true when it comes to our faith life and our relationships with each other and our care for one another because the truth is always going to point back to Jesus, who is the truth, who at the cross reveals God's justice and his anger for sin, but there also his love and mercy, the truth that you are loved and you are forgiven and you have peace with him and you have the hope of an eternal life and the, we share the truth so that others can have that too, so others can know about their Savior and the truth of the gospel, the good news 
they're loved and forgiven and can have peace with him too. I know, friends, this is hard. <laughs> it's hard to speak the truth because you know very often it's not going to be well-received. Right? It's hard as a church to continue to stand on those truths and continue to proclaim them and not bend to society. It's hard, but it's worth it because it's all we have. And so if that's our desire, right? if that's our desire as a church, if that's our desire as Christians to speak the truth to one another, even if it might hurt the person we're speaking to, even if it might hurt, come back hurt on us, even if it might hurt that relationship, how do we do that, right? If we have the desire to, how do we do that? Well, let me give you three things. Number one, it matters how you say it, right? I can tell my wife, who spent all afternoon cooking dinner, that her meal is good. And I can say it in two completely, completely different ways and mean two completely different things, right? So how is it? It's good. Or, it's good. Right? Same words, two completely different meanings. It's the same when we speak the truth to one another. When we speak the truths of God's word, it's all in how you say it, isn't it? When we come with the attitude of, I'm the chief of sinners, <laughs> and I got a plank in my eye that's a mile long, but I love you enough to see a speck of sawdust in your eye, dear friend, that I can't help but want to say something because I love you too much. I care about you too much. And I hope you understand that how uncomfortable this is for me to do this, but I love you enough to want to share the truth with you. Gently, patiently, lovingly. Knowing that it's probably not going to be one time. Very rarely will you go to someone and say, hey, you know, what you're doing right now? Right? Cheating on your timesheet? Uh, or, hey, man, I think you got a problem with alcohol and I love you enough to say something, right? Or, or if the spouse approaches their, their, their spouse and says, oh, I really don't like the way you talk to me, right? That may not go very well the first time. <laughs> it might take time. But when you come in love and gentleness and patience to speak that truth, you're starting off on a good foot. Speak the truth in love, gently and lovingly, patiently. Second thing, it's easier said than done. But try not to care what they think about you. <laughs> More than likely, they're going to come back with something against you. Right? Think about how Ahab treated Micaiah. He was angry and he acted in anger. Right? And two, in a relationship, you might get hurt. You might harm that relationship, that relationship might end. I know it's easier said than done, but remember who you got to answer to in the end. It's not that person. you got to answer to Jesus. And Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And holding to his teaching doesn't just mean I hold it to myself, but it means that i got to share it with you. I gotta, you have to know too. Because I love you too much. Right? You've got to hold to Jesus and to his word because in the end, he's the one who's holding on to you and who you're going to live with forever. And the third thing, as we desire to go and speak the truth, even if it might hurt, is that 
may be just as important as speaking the truth is that we have to desire to live that truth in our lives. That we desire to go and be salt and light in this world. That the truth, we pray, Lord, help that truth of your word and who you are be evident in me as I live my life. That I am very real about myself. You you might get people calling you a hypocrite and, and judgmental and, you know, who are you to judge me, right? You might get all of that stuff and be real with yourself. I'm a sinner who daily needs to repent. I am a sinner who has done awful, awful things too. But at the same time, I know my Savior and I know his love for me and I know his forgiveness and I live in that forgiveness. I need to, and my friend, that's what I want for you too, to know his forgiveness and to know his peace Right, that we're real with ourselves and how we live, that we live humbly, <laughs> that we live recognizing our own sinful nature that is within us and rears its ugly head. But then we desire in our lives to let that truth permeate our words and our actions so that we can show the world our truth. Friends, the truth can hurt. We all know that. But friends, it's the truth that sets us free, isn't it? That's biblical. Jesus said that. (laughs) The truth sets you free. Because when that truth of the law is spoken, and then the sweet words of the gospel, you are forgiven, there's freedom there. There's freedom from guilt and shame and regret and sin. The truth sets free. Friends, we have that truth. We're blessed to know that truth. We're blessed to hold on to that truth of God's word. That's where we find it, right here. Not in what society says, not in what you think, not in your opinions about what people should do in their life, but God speaks and truth is heard and spoken and frees. And as you go, as you go, and maybe right now you're thinking about some hard conversations you might have to have, and you go with trepidation, and you go with fear, with a, with a holy fear, and humbly and, and trembling in your own sinful flesh, know that it's God's truth that goes with you. Just as it did with Micaiah. Right? As he went to that king, and I'm sure was afraid, I'm sure had trepidation but yet said, I can only speak what the Lord says. And that's what he's given to us as the church, to go and to speak his truth in love and to know that our God goes with us to hold us in that truth, to comfort us in that truth, to protect us in that truth. And friends, there's no better place for us to be. And he will grant it. Amen.